0: You' listening Sheldon Kennedy- Hi, I'm Sheldon Kennedy and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, The Sheldon Kennedy Show. These episodes will feature honest and open conversations with notable guests who will share their stories, subject matter expertise, and insights on the many social issues we face today. This podcast is presented by Respect Group, Founded in 2004, Respect Group empowers people to recognize and prevent bullying, abuse, harassment, and discrimination through interactive online education. To date, over 1.6 million Canadians have been Respect Certified in sport, schools, and the workplace. Now I'm delighted to introduce our next guest and my good friend, Mark Jones. Mark's passion for working with kids was fulfilled through his 36 years in the education world as both a teacher and an administrator. He received his education from the University of Calgary and completed his master's at the University of Oregon. Mark has always believed in putting children and youth first. This philosophy has brought many students back with stories and memories, which Mark holds close to his heart. One of the highlights of his career was the opportunity to open a brand new elementary school, Maddie McCullough, and to build a culture based on fun, respect, and understanding. This experience was enriching and has been used to build the foundation of the team dynamic where Mark currently is the CEO of the Central Alberta Child Advocacy Center. In his spare time, Mark loves to spend time with his wife, Nicole, and his four children. So with that, Let's get started. How you doing, Mark?
1: I'm doing great today, Shel. It's an honor to be here uh, on your uh, podcast. I'm delighted to have conversation with you.
0: Yeah, what have you guys been doing lately up at the well, Central Alberta Child Advocacy Centre? You've been busy or
1: what? Well, you know what? It, it, it's a, a a place where I don't think we're ever going to be less busy uh, and the pandemic doesn't help either. So tons of uh, tons of opportunities to work with children and family and help them, you know, deal with trauma that they're faced with, whether it's current or historical. Um, so we, we've got a great team in there. And on a, on a daily basis, we do the best we can to, you know, work with children and families to, to make right of bad things.
0: Yeah. How's your team holding up? And, you know, through the pandemic, are you guys still able to, to continue your work?
1: Yeah, you know what we've done is we've tried to uh, limit the contact in in the office so that we can just have our essential workers in there for the most part, and yeah. and the rest of us have been working from home. But uh, I I would tell you those frontline workers are exhausted. They're mentally, emotionally, physically. It's it's demanding. Like if you, I think as a even I look at last Friday and we thought okay, you know we'll have a you know a, a day of a couple forensic interviews and we ended up having three different sets of interviews and the last one didn't start, uh, until, you know, five o'clock, five 30 in the day. And I know eight 30 at night, uh, they were still in there and it, it's, it's that's at the end of a work week and it's, uh, it's tough. And, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with emotional raw subject with people that are, are at, you know, for many of them, they're in a, an area that is really dark for them and, and, and you're trying to you know shed light on it and, and, guide them through it and it, and it it becomes a real strain uh, day after day um when you're you're not only worried about the kids you're worried about covid you're worried about you know disinfecting this and cleaning that and it's it's just it's a struggle
0: yeah no doubt can you maybe just explain to our to our audience mark if you can uh, give us a little bit of a an overview of a the work that you do at the child advocacy center, but also who who when you talk about frontline and you know those people doing that difficult work, just talk to us a little bit about who who all you have and the purpose of your organization within your community and and maybe the the boundaries of your community. Like how how far do you you know do
1: you reach? Yeah, no, that's really good. So so what, when I talk about the the frontliners, what what a child advocacy center is is the ministerial mandate of those that are protect children in the Alberta government, children's services, Alberta health, uh, the education system, the justice system. It's bringing each one of those organizations together in one building, one roof to talk about cases. And, uh, you know, in, in the past, there's been a lot of silos where, you know, people were doing great work, but they were siloed and there was not a lot of connection. And you'd have, you know, the the children's services would be, you know, overrun with work and and then RCMP would get involved in the work and Alberta Health would get involved in the work and and lots of times hardly ever were the education system in it. So what we've done is uh, you recognize fully that those ministries have databases and those databases are not connected. So in order to get the information from one organization to the other, you have to come together and you have to be in a room together and you bring your databases and you share that information. So what, what ends up happening is uh, information that Alberta Health Service might have on a, a child or a family and Children's Service have it and the RCMP have it. They're all doing these investigations. Well, it's amazing how fast things can be done when you're sitting around a table and you're bringing all that information at one time right. to share that information. Then you can come up with your, your develop your your plan of what, what you're going to do moving forward with the child, whether it's a you know, a, child, a forensic interview for the child to be done in a safe space and share their story one time uh, in a forensic interview, as opposed to having to, you know, disclose it at a, a school and then bring in children's services and bring in the RCMP and, you know, all the rest of it. So we do it at one place. And then, then we, we at the Child Advocacy Center kind of quarterback that child through the system, work with them right from, you know, disclosure coming into the place to, you know, to kind of create that, um, Psychological safety for them, where they have a place to come in right. uh, and, and share their story, and know that uh, they're going to be believed first and foremost. And not only are they going to get help, but so are their family and siblings. And it's a, a full team, right from the disclosure to if we have to prepare them for court and prepare the family for court, we do it all there. So it's there's no surprises along the way. And and one of the things that we do, our mandate is to circle back to the schools. As a former educator, I, I know firsthand, lots of times information never came back. And we knew we had children in our schools that were highly traumatized. And when an investigation happened, you know, nine out of 10 times, there was, there was no sharing of information back to the schools. And you you've got a child that's there for, you know, six hours a day and you have a, a connection or relationship with them and their family. And no one shares that information and, and all you have is a little... You know, a young child in there that's aggressive or swearing or or acting out, and you don't really know why. And and now we do that connection back to the schools to say, you know, without giving all the details, but we we talk about you know the, a, a traumatic situation for the child, and here's some here's some things that you can do to help that child in the classroom setting and and work with the families. And you know, we've connected the counselors and family school wellness workers with our AHS. Um, psychologists and counselors and things like that so yeah it, it's it, you know what Sheldon I, I think the, the biggest thing that I would say it's all about communication and talking yeah. in your community so ours is lots of child advocacy centers are are just in a city ours we're we're located in Red Deer but we call it the Central Alberta Child Advocacy Center for the reason that our, our uh, area spans from uh, Drayton Valley and through Rocky. And then we go out to Sunchild and O'Cheese, the two nations, and then down into the Sundry Caroline, Didsbury, all the way over to Drumheller. Which is from- very
0: which is a very rural oh you know, outside of Red Deer, what Mark's talking about are towns that are very rural. And I you know, so so you encompass, you know, basically the whole middle portion of the province of Alberta. Yeah, and then
1: yeah, because you stretch out to Drumheller, and then you end up going through Castor, Concert, Coronation, Oyen, all the way up to Killam, and then circle all the way back, and and then we in in, in the midst of that too, Red Deer's got its own children services. Each one of those areas have their own areas. So it's it's all about communication, connecting our kids that come in with us with children's services and their own areas with child and family advocates and there's victim service support groups and and counseling they don't have to all come into our our um, center for counseling once they're there but we need to we need to quarterback to get those people out in rocky and out in gaysbury to to be able to you know provide that you know the necessities for the kids so uh, in our short four years sheldon we're in 91 communities in central alberta where we've had we've worked with at least one case 91 91 villages towns cities well all the rest you of. know
0: talk to me a little bit mark about you know you know i'm i'm kind of a big advocate for integrated practice and i think there's not a lot of clarity and understanding and and uh, know how of what is and what encompasses real true integrated practice. You know, we hear these words all the time, oh, we're co-located and we, you know, we're, we're all together in the same building. But at the end of the day, it's we can be together in the same building. But if we don't know how to communicate and process cases that come in front of us and know how to work to one another, I don't think that it d- matters where you're at. Talk to me a little bit about how important it is to teach. Because to me, integrated practice is a taught skill. And I think ultimately what we're talking about here is we need to be able to, teach a different way to those people that are doing this work. So we get better outcomes for our children and families that we serve.
1: Yeah, no, no, you know what? Integrated practice is a process. Uh, it doesn't happen the first day that you do exactly what you just said. You're, you're in the same building, but what does that really mean? Right. So to it, it means to communicate with one another and, and walk down the hallway and say, what is it something that our organization can work with your organization to help this child? Specifically, or that family specifically, and and what are the things that we can do, the resources that we can put out to to help everybody. So it's not it, whether the education people go out and do their uh, prevention, because I've always said this: a child advocacy center is an intervention mo- model where things have already happened to children and families. So so you're putting in prevention programs uh, in that child advocacy center to get out there. So you got to teach the people how to work together to recognize many heads in a room conversing about a topic of whether it's you know sexual abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, uh, internet luring, any of those things, they need to learn how to sit in that room and work together and share that knowledge that they have and not be afraid to share the knowledge. So once, once you've kind of created what I always say, that circle of security, uh, then you can start moving forward in that world of integrated practice. If they don't trust each other and feel confident in each other that's not going to happen. So we started out in that kind of creating that uh, uh an opportunity for people to be in and if you were to come to our triage now compared to where we were 4 years ago, it's night and day the information yeah. and things yeah. that are shared with each other and that that's all about that, you know, connecting with one another and realizing that, you know, you maybe did get it to a certain part but you know what you've got it to this certain part it doesn't mean that it's you're not part of it anymore right you don't right. pass it off to a the other organization and say okay well we're done our work and uh i see lots of times where we circle back all the time and we're asking questions and 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 doing that and i mean we have an opportunity in our new you know this new building that we're in the process of um uh, uh, organizing to really, I think, in the integrated practice world, not only just work with it with ours, but with other organizations to really, really look at integrated practice and what it looks like and how you instill it in the workplace daily.
0: Yeah. And we'll get into the building and the purpose of that uh, <clears throat> a little later on. But I think, you know, I'd really like to have you your uh, thoughts on Mark, like a lot of our listeners are, you know, executive directors or CEOs of sport organizations or, you know, youth activity organizations, schools and so forth. And, you know, I know that they sometimes get frustrated trying to connect to get resources for help to help kids and, you know, or what do we do if a case comes forward and, you know, who's coming in our doors (laughs) Right. We, we sometimes don't know who's coming in our doors, but some, you know, kids come in our doors and we we find out that, you know, something's happened in their world that's happening in their home. How do we help that kid? And I, I, you know, I just, I'd like to be able to, you know, I, I know I connected you with Andrew Price, who's the CEO of Scouts Canada. You know, just talk a little bit about, you know, say a a sport organization or a youth serving organization working in a community, their struggles with trying to get connected to the systems.
1: Yeah, you know, the the number one thing to about getting connected with the systems is most people don't know about the systems, right? They don't know what's in place or what we can do. So, so let, let's look at uh you know, let, let's look at Scouts Canada for example or look at Hockey, any of those. Um you you've got organizations where I can guarantee you on a daily basis they're dealing with children that have some trauma in their world that whether it's current or historic abuse or it's something that happens when they're you know in a current season so what what needs to happen is we need to be able to educate these people to say this is what here's here's some things that our whole country could watch and say here are signs that something's wrong in a child's life because as you know sheldon on average children seven times they'll give a cue that something's wrong in their world and it doesn't necessarily be a verbal it can, there's all kinds of different things that they can do so i look at those organizations and say you know it's time that we need to educate our country about what it is that they need to look for and how they what how they can respond to it so so your question to me you know saying how can people get connected with it there's children child advocacy centers if you take alberta alone there's 8 of them um we're trying to work on our provincial network to have the same language talk the same um, uh, you know, if someone comes in to say, "Here," doesn't matter where a child is abused in Alberta, you should be able to go to any one of those eight places, and there should be consistency. And these these are throughout the whole country. And I know we meet uh, as and there's a national association being started right now, child advocacy centers and child and youth advocacy centers, and uh, it, it's all about um, people being aware in their communities how they can connect with those. So I can give you an example here. We we go out into every school in our jurisdiction. We have ten school jurisdictions. We've talked to all superintendents. We've talked to all principals. We've talked to their uh, m- many of their uh, family school wellness workers, and now we're working on the teachers. So we're giving the information to that group of people uh, as to how to how to respond, how to react, what to say and not to say if a child discloses to you. So now we're we're trying to reach out to hockey organizations and to. Pastors at churches and things like that, because kids come to a trusted source, right? And, and here's what's happened: We you you get into a pandemic, and then we lock the schools down, we lock the kids out of the schools. And here's what we've done. We've said to them, okay, let's go back into our, our homes. Uh, where many times that's where the abuser is. Um, oh. as, as we all know, 96% of the kids that we've dealt with and here, the the ironic thing, Sheldon, is you've always shared the stat and said 96%. And, and I thought, okay, well, it's going to be interesting to see what it is a, at our center. And and shockingly, it's 96%. And, and we all know that, you know, a, a large number of those are, are in the family. So what's that? said, Mark,
0: like, you know, how important is it for kids to have that safe structure of that, that recreation activity, or that, you know, arts, you know, activity that outside of the home activity, you know, whether it be school or hockey, soccer, baseball, you know, um, you know, the, the uh, performing arts, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, how critical is that for those kids to be involved in something that gives them uh, a safe place and you know a belonging because yeah. we know that a lot of these cases are happening in the home and and talk a little bit about that but also talk a little bit Mark about you know how, we're in a, we're come you know probably going to be coming out of this pandemic here uh, hopefully and um, I think we've got a lot of work to do I think there's going to be a lot of damage that's been done that we haven't seen yet because of, you know, the isolation uh, of our young people and so forth. And, you know, maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, what you've seen in, in your centered numbers and the severity of abuse that's come in and, and so forth. But I really want to know how critical like these, these outside organizations such as or community youth serving organizations are for kids and how critical it is that they understand these issues.
1: Yeah. You know, so, so again, I don't think there's a more important Thing for children and it doesn't matter it, it's not even just children's children showing, it's adults it's everybody yeah. we need to be connected yeah. and 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 here's what's happened and this pandemic has has disconnected it's disconnected families it's disconnected kids from their friends it's disconnected sport groups it's disconnected everybody from doing the things that they love to do i think to Kids to be connected is probably one of the most critical things. And and we have a program that we work with uh, at the Child Advocacy Center that we are reconnecting children with their own families and and, and working with the families to be able to support each other uh, because there's a breakdown in that. And our our, our numbers, um, I mean, the stat that I was told yesterday was 51% increase uh, over what we did the last year. And when I look at that and you see the numbers, no, number one, our domestic violence is has gone up, you know, exponentially. But also, there's a lot more of the seriousness of it too. And and then then we send kids home and say, okay, we're going to do online learning. Uh, and then they go online and they're not taught again how to use the online properly. And then they start doing things they shouldn't be doing. And then who are the people out there? The perpetrators are out there saying, hey, how can I infiltrate that online learning to be able to go into you know chat rooms and things like that to to convince kids that I'm somebody I'm not and, and lure them and, and it's happening all the time. So uh, I think to me coming out of this thing, I think it's more important than ever for our movements like Scouts Canada, uh, church groups, hockey, uh, soccer, music lessons, choirs, all of that for the, them to be out engaging and letting people know how important it is to be a part of it. And, and here's something I would say that other people would probably not like me saying is I really think we need to make these opportunities for kids the first couple years out. We've got to look at something to make it cheaper for people to be connected. And yes. it, it, we can't be chasing the, the money to make money off of doing sport or youth activities. We've got to be able to make it affordable for everybody to come and say, Hey, let's be a part of it. Even if it's a, we get groups, organizations. Uh, uh, we have a person here and I, I don't usually single people out, but uh, this, this Val Jensen, we have in Red Deer. She's got a community association where she has gone out and got all kinds of sports equipment, hockey skates in the summertime. There's baseball gloves, tennis, you name it out of one of our community associations and kids come and play from, for free, do whatever, get your skates, go out and do what you need to do. And those are the things we need to get back to our communities. And we need to start letting people know, you know, that that center of a community is where the connection is going to take place. And we've lost it over the last 10 years. It's got too important for kids to be, you know, on a, an iPad, on a phone, on all those things and, and not having those conversations. It's just, it's, and it's not through anyone's fault. It's just we're, we're in a busy world. and But I think what we need to do, it, here's what COVID's taught us and the pandemic. Slow down. Yeah. You need to slow down. You need to readjust. And coming out of this thing, we really need to, it, it needs to be a, a focus on reconnecting kids. And, uh, our, you know, your, your kids that are out there um, that have people that are saying, hey, I'm going to sign them up for this, this, and this. That happens all the time. It's gonna continue happening. We need to start connecting with our vulnerable kids. And guess what? We all know who they are. We know who our vulnerable kids are. Like when I was in a school as an administrator, I knew who the kids were. And we need to get those kids connected. So it's almost like you you, you know, our neighborhoods, we need to we need to actually rally around each other and create a support. And unfortunately, I think what this pandemic's done in many ways, it's divided us.
0: Yeah, so and I think but I you know, I think Mark, I think. You know, with that, I think that, you know, I think what's really kind of been highlighted is how important outside of just playing the sport are. you know, you, youth serving organization, or that importance of connectivity, I mean, y- mental health, I mean, exercise, I mean, just health in general, you're all yeah. at facets of health. And, you know, it's really, really, I think, been glaring to many people that probably didn't think that way before, uh, how critical it is for their kids to be active, uh, and engaged, uh, and and part of something. And And I think, you know, also as us as adults, so switching gears, Mark, I want to Talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, I know that your group has been raising money and you're going to build a new building or something like that. Maybe talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so so as I had mentioned a little bit earlier in that uh, intervention world, um, as you know, Sheldon, five years ago when we started this journey, we were, we were more on a mental health, trying to create a hub of mental health because of uh, the rash of... Uh, uh, adolescent youth and, you know, child, youth, adolescent, uh, suicides in our, our zone. And then I, I remember, I'll never forget the day we met with you and uh, you talked to us about the difference between a, a child advocacy center and, uh, you know, putting something in a mental health world where still we're, we're learning about it, right? Like it's, it's a specific thing. And I, I remember to this day, you said, you know, if you built something in the world of the child advocacy center, style. Integrated practice. Integrated Integrated practice. Integrated practice. And then exactly, you know, I I get that from you often. I love it. So the integrated practice model, but people would come, the mental health would come. So what we ended up doing, we've been working with Alberta Health Services and Education, Children's Services, our our, um, infrastructure, all the ministries in Alberta, working with the government to try to uh, say we would, we would, Do the fundraising if we could get some help from the government for some of the infrastructure costs. And we approached at the time Red Deer College, which is now Red Deer Polytech, uh, and said, you know, if we could get some land on your college at the time, uh, we really believe we could put some programming in and teach kids how to be integrated through practice and learning Students, you know,
0: students at the students. college.
1: So yeah. young yeah, nurses, absolutely. young police yeah.
0: officers, young social workers. So teach that skill. Is that what you're te- te- saying? Mark?
1: Exactly. So and then you right give on. them opportunities that work integrated practice where they can, you know, we can, we can be on the front line teaching people what does integrated practice look like? So to, yeah. you know, so when they go out there, you can talk with all those kids and they're they're you know when they get out into the the world and they they need to learn how to work a a nurse with a teacher a teacher with a social worker well they already know how to do it because we've done things with them in the in their uh polytechnic setting so so when we did that and then we approached alberta health service and said what would be the possibility of getting some of your um outpatient programs and that to move to the the college so that we could actually create that whole, you know, social innovation hub, like a a community connection place. And so what we did is went out to a couple other uh, not-for-profits that do like work of us and said, what do you, what do you think of, you know, coming to work with us? And we all, you know, kind of be in a building together and try and get our community behind us. And as you know, our community has, has rallied around what we're doing. And uh, I'm happy to say that, uh, you know, our plans are, uh well in place the uh, the building is 66,000 square feet three floors where we have um Alberta Health Services bringing their outpatient uh models um and as well as the um step up step down program i mean we haven't had formal announcements yet but uh we're really excited we've been doing some you know great work with the government we have now and
0: well he, get- you know i think it's i think it's awesome mark and i think you know we We've siloed all of these, all of these issues. And I think when you really look at, you know, the majority of mental health related issues, or any abuse issues, discrimination issues, I mean, you know, they, they basically fit together. In a puzzle depending on you know what puzzle you're building all those pieces uh are very much together and i think you know we need to create a focus within our communities you know not just for kids that have been abused i mean i know the child obviously centers in a in a spot to help the crisis that people are in because when they come through your doors they're in a crisis and your group and your team are positioned well to handle that. But, you know, how do we build a community confidence for all your youth serving organizations, your, your sports organizations, your, your your arts organizations, your church organizations, your education system, so that as a community and as a district inside your realm, there is an absolute crystal clear knowledge of what do we do if an issue presents itself or a disclosure happens, you know, within our organization? And I think that's ultimately the goal. And to be able to do that, it's a taught skill. It's 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 about teaching people how to communicate and how to discuss these issues. And I don't think we have that confidence yet in a community. I think it's coming. But I think these issues that we're talking about bring a lot of fear and they bring a lot of anxiety. And I think that that comes with a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. And I think there's been a significant amount of people in our communities that have tried to get help and have been turned away. And I think that's because not that there's an unwillingness from the systems to help, but I think it's because a lack of connectivity and communication amongst the systems. And I think... You know, we need to overcome that, and we need to be able to come at this a different way. Because we don't communicate, there's people dying, and I think you you've seen that firsthand in Red Deer.
1: Yeah, you know, great point, Sheldon. Uh, Here's what I'll tell you: is we need to get. you're, You're talking connectedness, and I I look in Red Deer, our model here. We we talk openly with other not for profits. And it's not about anyone worrying about anyone else getting funding or not getting funding. It's about working together and, and showing people that uh, I'll take a line from you. We need to pull on the rope in the same direction. And when you do that, great things happen and people People will flock to that. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's why, you know, we're, we're, we work with the outreach center, the, the sexual assault center, the fetal alcohol support group. We work with the Central Alberta Women's Emergency Shelter, any of the other organization. And, and, and at the end of the day, all of those people are traumatized people. And we the, the more we work together and connect with each other and connect with our community, the better off we're going to be. But you're yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's a learned skill. And, we, you know, I, I think in the last four or five years, uh, Red Deer has really learned a lot about, um, you, know, you know, not just about the child advocacy centers, but about a lot of the other organizations. And yeah, I think yeah. it, it, it's a true testament to our community. Uh, like, I'm honored to work in our community because I believe we've got a lot of, you know, movers and shakers and people who want to be difference makers. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and not for their own their own self gratification, but I, I can't tell you the number of people that that are excited to work with us. Just the fact that they know they're helping and working with kids and making a difference in their life. So yeah, yeah.
0: well, that's you know what I I see that Mark. Now I want to close on, you know, we see and we talk a lot about trauma and and we talk a lot about you know these broken kids and kids that are coming in that are just you know horrific horrific stories. I mean, you can't even you know, it's hard to really grasp some of the stories that I know you guys hear and I've heard that you'll see come in. But, you know, I want to end on some hope. Like, you know, let's talk about you know, how, how you're able and how kids are resilient and they can turn their lives around and they get going and they can smile again and they can, you know, the sooner we're able to start helping these kids and and working with them, the experts in the, in your center and, and in the community, the sooner we can get those kids and and young people, you know, feeling good about themselves again and, and, you know,
1: moving forward. You know, everyone always says to me hey how how do you how do you do that job it's got to be it it just has to be so hard and and i always say the same to them i said you know what It, it is really hard work but here is what isn't hard when you have a child that comes through that door with their family at the lowest point of their life many times and they come into the door and after two hours of just having an opportunity to work with the team at the advocacy center and get some stability and know there's a group of people that will give them wraparound supports and help them out of a situation and work with their connections throughout the, you know, around the city of Red Deer or the community of Alex or Oi. Or, and it doesn't matter where we connect back with those people to say, you always will have a safe place to come to. And I know that if I share the story of the first one um, that we had come in, Sheldon, 2017, that you and I worked with that girl quite closely to, you know, to convince her to come and do her forensic interview. And I will never forget the words that she said uh, after being in the center for three hours. Um, When she came in, I swear you could see her heart beating. She was so nervous and, and she was fidgeting and she was, her hands were shaking. And, and I remember after that uh, and we wrapped that, uh, quilt around her and let her know that, you know, this is her safe place. You get, you're, you're here forever and whatever you need for us to do. And, and, and when she walked three steps ahead and she turned back and she looked at me and she says, I finally feel like I have my life back. That's after three hours. That's hope to me. That that's hope. So that's what that's. and, And we live that every day. It's that it's watching a child, who you, you just know. And when we work with the parents, uh, I could give, I could give you all kinds of examples of hope. And I, I know we had one mom when she came in, she was like, yeah, I, I'm here. My kids need it. And I don't need it. And, and as you know, we have Quinn, the the, the, the dog and, and the mom didn't need any help. Right, nope. Everything was fine. All and, good. All good here. Yeah, all good here. I, this is about my kids. And, and yeah. I, I, I watched where Quinn went. Yeah. And, and our facility dog and Quinn didn't go to the kids. He went to the mom. And after she was there for two weeks, she, she came to me and, and and it was very emotional. And she said, I, I, I had no idea how much I needed this for me so I can support my kids. And to me, that's hope, Sheldon. That's, and, and and the biggest amount of hope I have is, is to be able to see that building come to fruition. Uh, And we're really close like, uh, you know, to making things happen and and that, and I I would say we're on the one yard line first and first and goal you know, and make things happen in the next couple of months so that we can get that project, you know, yeah, going. Yeah. But uh, that gives me hope, like to create a, an environment where we're going to be able to work in that integrated world of teaching and working with people. You know, you bring in the researchers and and, and the programs that we ha- are, are going to have in there and you, you talk with research on how you make a difference. And and as you know, there's all kinds of research out there that nobody does anything with. Yeah, now, tons. You know, take the research and let's make a difference let's take what's already been you know discovered that if you do this this and this let's you're gonna make a difference so hope i have hope every day and yeah. and i it, that's why i'm so excited that's why you're passionate what you do you know there's an opportunity to make a difference and that's yeah. that's why we do what we do
0: yeah well and i think with with our listeners that you know the majority of listeners for the podcast all the respect group clients and uh, friends and partners you know, they, they make a difference in kids' lives all the time. And I think this wow. has been hugely helpful, Mark. And, and uh, you know, I really wanted to just, just talk about the process. And, you know, I'm excited because I think we do need to, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think we need to be able to make those connections within our village so that we can, you know, we can all be pulling on the same rope. We all have a different piece. We all have a different area that we work in, but that doesn't mean we can't be connected and work together. And so thank you for that, Mark. And, and uh, you know, be sure to subscribe to our show in your podcast app so we can stay connected. This show was made possible by Respect Group. And to learn more about their work and vision, visit respectgroupinc.com. That's respectgroupinc.com. Dot com. Thanks again for tuning in. And Mark, thank you very much. Keep up the great work. And pretty sure I'll be seeing you guys up in Red Deer soon.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, Sheldon, for having me. Thanks,
0: Mark. Have a good day, man.
1: You too, Mike.